You win your conference tournament and know you're heading to the NCAA tournament, but what's next? St. Louis head coach Rebecca Tillett joins host Natalie Heverin to discuss what she's doing this week ahead of Selection Sunday, as well as her team's journey this season. Ogumba Wallet to the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and happy Wednesday. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Natalie Hebron and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today, I'll be talking to St. Louis head coach Rebecca Tillett about her A-10 tournament championship win, the program's first ever, and about her experience heading to the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row, as well as how her team got there. First of all, congratulations on the win on Sunday. Um, so, you know, what are you up to this week, uh, the week after a championship win and before Selection Sunday? Well, first, thank you for having me, Natalie. And, um, wow, just so excited, you know, for our women and what we were able to accomplish. You know, here, everybody kind of regroup, come down from the feeling of winning the championship, and then get right back to it, uh, practice, lift. Uh, it's great. I think the team really missed each other, and that's when you know – the team's kind of got something going on. You give them a day or two off and the group chat is blowing up with them connecting with one another. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see that with this particular group. So you're already back at practice a little more than 48 hours uh, after a championship win? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow okay. will be back. So a little more than 48. <laughs> um, so, you know, what are you going through the motions of uh, as a coaching staff and your players, you know, after you come uh, off those off days, uh, you, you, you know, don't know who you're playing. You don't know where you're playing. So how do you prepare in that scenario? Yeah, good question. I think we'll just, you know, get back to doing what we think got us this far. Right. So I actually had a player ask me that today. How is practice going to look different? Are we going to be pulling drills out from a couple months ago? I said, no, we'll be staying the course with how we've been preparing right now. You know, they're always concerned. Are they going to bring out one of those tough rebounding drills again? Um, and so, you know, you've been in this uh, scenario before of uh, waiting that week for Selection Sunday. So what are you most looking forward to uh, doing this week? You know, I got a little extra time with my kids, which I think is good. Um, and then I think just being back together with the whole group again after having, you know, reached so many of our goals and then staying the course of not, you know, not being satisfied. Right. There's more to learn. There's more to learn about each other. There's more basketball to learn. And then there's another opportunity ahead of us. Uh, and, you know, I want to take you back uh, a little bit down memory lane. Um, back in April, I talked to you shortly after you were hired um, for context for the listeners. You led Longwood to an NCAA tournament in your fourth year there. And you told me, I want to beat my own goal and try to get there in three. And, hey, why not sooner? It all depends on how all of us. Uh, that come together, put our heads down and work together. And that's really what will determine how quickly we're successful. So now, 10 and a half months later, what are your thoughts on that quote? And broadly speaking, how did that come together for you and your team? Well, yeah, I read your article and saw that quote and was like, wow, that's 
That's so interesting because you you captured a snapshot of where we were at that time. And I think coaches, just like our players, we're competitors, right? So how fast can you win a championship? And was it always something we thought we could do? Yes. But is it probable? No. <laughs> and we know that. And I think everybody that's kind of fallen in love with our team knows that too. And that's why this storyline is is so good because, you know, there were difficult times. There was adversity in front of us. But true to the quote, this group literally did keep putting their head down and working over and over again. And I think that was so critical to how we were able to climb. I think one of the stories I told recently is I didn't know we were 6 and 16 at one point. I really didn't. I don't remember. I'm sure I did at the time. I don't I didn't like put that as a marker in my mind. Um, I think because we just kept saying, well, we have to keep getting better. That's just the only option. And then you could start to feel the momentum build with this group and their chemistry and the leadership. I mean, leaders have such an influence on how far a group can go. And this particular group of leaders, they have a unique style um, in terms of they're very positive um, and they're persistent, really, really persistent. And it takes them a long time to get frustrated. And I think all of those things have allowed them to lead in this space. And, you know, another quick trip down memory lane, um, you know, November, I talked to you, your team was one in five. It was just before Thanksgiving. Uh, you hope ultimately that everyone sacrifices, everyone's joining the work, leads this program who we represent to the place that it deserves to go, which is winning an A-10 championship, competing in the NCAA tournament on a deep run. Uh, we believe that we've got what we need right here in St. Louis to do that. You know, you clearly were right about that, but what is that's something uh, you expected to be talking about less than four months later uh, up the podium in, in Wilmington. Goodness. I mean, I think you imagine it, but I, I don't know. I mean, it was an improbable run given the way we started. Um, and I think the biggest part of that is most teams, if they start that way, they start to really kind of lose confidence, whether it's lose confidence in their individual abilities, in the, chemistry of the group or of the coach's strategy. And this group, even if some people did lose it for a moment, nobody stayed in that place very long. And I think that's what enabled us to continue to grow and to, you know, really propel the program forward during that stretch, you know, that was tough. Somebody, you know, was talking about the early record, you know, like you just mentioned and, Goodness, some of it I really do not remember. Like, I think we were just so focused. And I knew our record wasn't good, but I didn't spend a lot of time thinking of it uh, in that way. Yeah, and you, at the the A-10 championship game, put you at, at 500, um, which there aren't a lot of teams that can start the way that you did and, and get to 500 uh, the way that you did. Was there a turning point or a pivot point this season uh, or was this run, you know, winning 11 of the team's uh, last 12 games, which the program hasn't done since the 1978-1979 season, or was it something that's been building all season? Uh, I know you tweeted, stay the course, in a winking emoji on February 8th. <laughs> I know. Somebody said to me when I was going to do the tweet, well, what if we lose the next game? I said, it doesn't matter. We have to stay the course whether we win or lose. That's kind of the message. Um 
I think that the Wichita State game had something to do with this. I, I may not have the exact score, but I really think we got down 27 and we fought back and we didn't win, but we had a chance to be in the game. And the teams that I've been fortunate to lead, many of them are known for fighting back. Like we're, you can't count us out. If we're down 16 or 18, we might still come back and beat, beat you. But down 27, I think it was. And that's, that's different to be able to come back from that. And while I was disappointed in the outcome of that game, I kept saying to our staff, to our team, to people that were checking on us, like that, that doesn't happen all the time. So that's something this team has that's different from a lot of teams. And then when we were finally able to, we felt like put it all together against Fordham because we felt like Fordham was one of the best teams in the league. And we really thought we could compete with them. And then when we were able to beat them, I think that was just proving it to ourselves. You know, we had a lot of conversations about we're not trying to prove this to the A-10. We're not trying to prove it to the St. Louis community. We need to prove it to ourselves that we're capable of rising up to these challenges. And, wow, when we did that, that was the start and even the Rhode Island game that was right before that, we didn't win, but we competed. And they were, the at the time, you know, the number one team in the league. And so I think those three games really influenced, you know, our collective thoughts as a group. And building off of that, you know, what do you think that your team needs to do in order to complete that last step that you talked about of making an NCAA tournament run? You know, I think this team is dangerous. So... <laughs> You know, if we're playing at our peak, I think we are, we have a unique style right now. Um, I, I just think this group is, has got something going. Uh, now you want to keep it, keep that magic, right? And, you know, do that. I think our defense has improved the entire season. Our leadership has improved the entire season. And our offense has been pretty steady. So if you can get all three of those things on one night, defense, which we include rebounding in that, you know, our dynamic offense and then our leaders really leading and leading well, I think, you know, we'll have a chance. We'll like we'll like our opportunity in that in that space. Coming up next, I asked Coach Tillett about the support from the St. Louis community, players that impacted the program this season, winning another championship with her daughter and more. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate GM. I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ever dream of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team playing through this season and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, as well as all of the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Lockdown NBA listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store, so make sure to check it out. Download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. And, you know, I also saw a video uh, about the fans in the community welcoming you back 
on on Sunday night gathering on short notice. What did that mean to you? I know you've talked uh, this season about having the community really embrace you. You know, it, it's special. I, I want to be where we're leading women to big dreams and there's people that care about that. And that's really what drew me to St. Louis in the first place um, was the vision for the program and where they wanted the program to go. And so now to have, you know, we had fans there as young as like three years old all the way to, you know, retirement age. And I think this team in particular has inspired people. And I thought that St. Louis would get behind a team of women who are fierce and, and fight hard for their success and each other's success. Because it's such a, you know, a sports community. There's so many fans here for so many different teams. And now they want you to win. And we're okay with that. We're okay with excellence being expected of us. So I think it's a huge starting point. And you could see that building during the run. You could see more and more fans coming. And can't wait to see what we'd have, you know, in an opening game next year as as we continue to build momentum. And what do you think about this team, uh, you know, makes them so appealing for the fans uh, to watch and to support? I think as we got better and better, they just play so hard for each other. You know, I've had other coaches say to me, your team plays so hard, your team plays so hard. And, you know, that's a, a credit to our women, right? You know, and if you came in our practice, you'd see the same thing. And you could hear a couple of our um, leaders yesterday in a media session talking about, you know, how did our practices change? Well, they got louder. They got, you know, people were communicating better um, in terms of how are we going to guard this? How do we rise up to a challenge? Um, and so I think that and then we share the ball, right? When our team's at the bat at our best, we had five women in double figures in the championship game. It's a goal every game to have four in double figures to be dynamic uh, offensively. And then our defense has been steadily improving. <laughs> Now, uh, when you said share the ball, I thought you were uh, also talking about assists, uh, which brings me to Julia Martinez's triple-double uh, in the championship game. Um, you know, she's everywhere on the court, as were a lot of your players. Um, so, you know, when you have those players that are scoring, but also being everywhere else on the court, how does that help your team? You know, I think we want all of our women to be able to kind of fill those stat lines that everybody sees, but also the ones that nobody sees, right? Like people aren't going to know how many times Julia dove on the floor in that game, right? If they just look at a stat sheet or an article, but we know we track that our team tracks that and cares about that. Um, her triple double goodness, beautiful basketball at the right exact moment that we needed it the most. I mean, we needed everything that she did. Um, to be a really formidable, you know, UMass team. So I think the assists too, just she and Ken Calhoun just consistently want to find their teammates at the exact right moment. We do a lot of film preparation on where you get the ball, when you get the ball. Um, and we do a lot of film, you know, praise when it's done the right way. And then correction of, hey, if we got that just a little bit more to the left, we think that shot would have been hit. So let's let's work on that. Um, I think that was something during the rise of our team was our assist numbers went up considerably. And that was something that had made some of the other top teams in our league the most dangerous because of how well they shared the ball. So we're all really excited about our improvement in that area. 
And uh, you told this story to the media a couple times over the weekend, um, but Brooke Flowers told the team in your first meeting um, that she came back to win a championship, and you reminded her of that moment during the celebration. What has she meant to the program this year on and off the court? Goodness. I, I mean, just I remember that moment of her telling us that, and I remember thinking, wow, that's that's a bold, powerful statement from a young woman that's going to be expected to lead this team in so many ways. And one thing about Brooks' leadership is it's, it's very calm and strategic, and she always seems to have exactly the right thing to say to elevate the people in the room. Um, she reminds me of Tiffany Sarden, our, one of our associate head coaches, in the way that they both lead. Um, so I think just she's, she had so many moments like that, right? That's the most told story. But there are other moments, you know, throughout the season where she just concisely gets to the point of what we're trying to do. And she does it in a way that brings people in and never pushes anybody, you know, aside or down or away from the message. She just brings you in to the message every time. I'm not um, sure I, understand. I think that was my watch. <laughs> so. um, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, you won a championship at Longwood last season with a few players that are on this St. Louis team. What did it mean to see both players like Brooke winning their first championship and also players like Kyla McMakin uh, and Kennedy Calhoun that you coached at Longwood last season winning their se- second championship in a row? You know, it's pure joy for me. It's pure joy just to watch these women achieve something. And, you know, the ones that it's their first time as a coach, even though it's my second time, you get to see it through their eyes as the first time. And then for those four women that, those four women that came with us, just to, you know, they made a leap of faith. They made a jump. Um, to do this. And, you know, much was said about them doing it, right? Are they going to be good enough to compete in the A-10? Is is what they're bringing from the Big South going to translate? And while we didn't pay a lot of attention to that, you hear it, right? It's, it's said. And I think for those four, it's just, you know, again, proving to themselves that they could do it. And yeah, we said to a couple of them, hello, two-time champs. How are you? Um, I have never seen uh, a more joyful celebration, specifically in the confetti. I've never seen more more players uh, just diving into the confetti. Um, I saw, I believe, you throwing confetti back and forth with your daughter uh, on Sunday. What did it mean to win a championship again with her on your team? Yeah, so there's a little story behind the confetti. One, we didn't have confetti at our last championship. So that was a first for everybody, all of us. And then... I've shared with our team, both past and present, Dawn Staley collects the confetti. And I I don't know if everybody notices that, but you'll see her at the end of a championship and maybe nobody's even looking anymore. And she's just picking up confetti. And last year when they won the championship and they're giving her like the trophy and she's, you know, just taking confetti, putting it in her pocket. So when I was at the NCAA tournament last year, when I was in um, the hiring process at I went to the national championship game and I collected the confetti and I gave a book to all of our past, you know, champions that I worked with last year. And then our leadership council this year 
And in the book, I put a piece of confetti. And it just goes so along with, you know, we say dream your biggest dream, go achieve it, and then dream another big dream. So I think my computer froze. And then dream, dream another big dream. So the confetti, I think, held a little bit more significance to us in that space, both because it was the first time and then also because we've talked about um, confetti in that way. For my daughter and I, like, this is just such an incredible experience. In most households, you know, you're starting to say your slow goodbye during the college years. And for us to be able to just have this time, and I think for both of us, part of our favorite parts of our day is seeing each other at practice. And despite the fact that I, I think if you walked in the practice, Natalie, you wouldn't know we're mother and daughter. Um, but just to have that connection every single day is is really special. Coming up next, I ask Coach Tillett about what 212 degrees means, her favorite moments from winning the championship, the shoes she did it in, and more. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. You can bet player props, including player points, rebounds, assists, etc., and so many more bets that are exclusive to FanDuel, like the 2x3. Two, three. two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, and then you also come from a family of coaches, and something you mentioned uh, in your championship press conference uh, was your dad using 212 degrees and 212 degrees uh, was added to the inside of the A-10 tournament warm-up shirts. First, can you explain to the listeners what 212 degrees stands for and when you felt like your team hit 212 degrees? Yeah, great question. So my dad, um, you know, has a field named after him at the high school um, that he worked at for a long time. And he's just an incredible coach. And so with his program, the last, I'm not sure I'd have to ask him, maybe eight years or so of his career, they used 212 degrees as, you know, kind of their mantra, um, their battle cry. And 212 degrees is the only temperature at which water boils, right? 213, it's no longer water. 212, uh, 11, it's not burning. It's not boiling. So you want your team to reach that target and be able to maintain, you know, competing at a boiling level. And one of my favorite stories that he would share is that his team would always ask, what temperature are we at? What temperature are we at? And so he came to a game um, to watch us play when we played Richmond. We actually didn't win that game. And I generally talk about 212 degrees with every team every year. But as with all teams, certain messages resonate with certain groups. And this message really resonated with this group. And so then it was like we started to see 212 everywhere. Like if 212 was on the clock during practice, we would yell it out. 
And then um, right before the championship game, I think I shared with you, but I always try to watch one more clip, one more clip until I have to come out on the floor. And I opened the laptop to watch some clips and it was at 212 on the clock and I ran in and showed the team. And then there was a point in the game that Kyla looked up at the clock and it was 212 at a stoppage of play. And she just yells to me and she's like, 212. And I look at the team and I'm like, 212. And we just all like, this is our time. This is, this is the day that we're playing. Um, and I think throughout the run, we were playing at 212 degrees way more often than not, which is what enabled us to do what we did. And this may be a difficult question, but what was your favorite moment of Sunday of winning that championship? Yeah, I think my favorite moments, you know, all came in response to Taylor hitting that incredible shot and tying it. And our women just first their facial expressions right on the bench. I looked to the bench first because I, I needed to take a breath and compose myself like, OK, we're not because it seconds before you're like we've got it we're winning this and that's the beauty of the game you got to finish till the buzzer sounds and I look at the bench and they're determined and I look back at the floor and those women are coming off like okay we just made it we just made it a little harder but we're going to do it and so that moment was critical I think um there's like a Julia rebound that stands out Mm -hmm. that you're like we have to have that possession and she gets it uh, Ken hit a couple of big shots um, to get us, you know, a significant lead. Um, it just, I, I remember a play that each one of them made um, that, you know, gave us that opportunity. And then down the stretch when we're, you know, it's the game is, is really secure at this point and just watching them wait for the anticipation of the clock's going to sound and we really are the champions. I, I just think those memories are, just incredible. And what's one thing that this team has taught you that you'll take with you, you know, into the NCAA tournament and also after this season does eventually end for you? I think this team has taught me and, and a lot of people, you know, don't let anything else define what you're going to be. Don't let a record define what you're going to be. Don't let outsiders' opinions define what you're going to be. Decide it for yourselves as a group um, in a team setting, decide it for yourselves. And this group did. Uh, last question uh, for me, you know, I saw that the sparkly heels you were wearing got featured in their own social media post. Uh, what went into the shoe choice and were you intentionally trying to match the, the championship trophy? <laughs> I had not seen the trophy other than pictures before, um, but there is significance behind it in terms of, you know, dancing shoes. We're trying to go dancing Maybe a little Cinderella feel there. Um, they're actually similar to the pair were in the second NCAA tournament game last year, but a different color. Um, I figured, you know, those shoes did some some good things in, in the tournament. We competed really well against NC State. Even though we were not successful against NC State, we competed well in that game. So I bought them in the other color uh, for this year. Uh, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for joining me today and good luck in the NCAA tournament when it comes. Thank you so much, Natalie. And we appreciate all you do for women's basketball. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first lesson today. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow to hear from Matthew Walter, who will be talking all things Utah. 
Now, make your second listen Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.